Hey everybody, Matt here from the Gains Lab, and this is another episode of the Gains Lab podcast. This will be episode one of our engine series, an overview of how we think about conditioning, the principles that we incorporate into our programs, and some of the key concepts we've embraced over the years to help us with developing conditioning plans for CrossFit athletes and some others. This is more of a look back. How did we get here? And this is setting the stage for future episodes in the engine series where we get into more detail and how we build an engine, the right stimulus at the right time, sequencing, what different feedback from athletes means and so on. We're going to get into that in substantial detail, but this is more principles and overview to establish a framework for how we think about conditioning. And I think the biggest insight for me as a coach and as an athlete as well is that CrossFit is an all-muscle fibers activity. And when I say all-muscle fibers, I mean fast twitch, slow twitch, and all the hybrid fibers in between. In future episodes, we'll get into the basics of muscle cell biology and what fast and slow twitch mean. But very briefly, fast twitch is high energy output, high force, short duration. Slow twitch is lower energy output, lower force, long duration. And then there are hybrid fibers which have characteristics of both. We can think of them as in the middle muscle fibers. If you want, for the purposes of this podcast, there's a spectrum from slow to fast, a continuum, and CrossFit requires them all. And that's rather unique among athletes. If we look at track and field or or track, we see that events tend to be either fast twitch or slow twitch. Something like the 100 meters, 200, 400, those are mostly fast twitch. An elite time in the 100 meters is about 10 seconds. In the 200, it's about 20 seconds. So you're seeing 10 seconds per 100 meters as like the elite of what fast twitch fibers can do. At 400 meters, an elite time is 45 seconds, so now you're down to about 11 seconds. 800 is about 150. That's about 13 seconds per 100 meters. So we see the slow twitch fibers coming into play a bigger and bigger role. And then as you get out to the longer events, the slow twitch fibers become dominant. Some people have said to me, you know, the 800, that uses fast and slow. That's, that's going to really be all muscle fibers in a way. And that's a reasonable argument. There's going to be a significant contribution from both the glycolytic and the oxidative engines in the 800. Absolutely. But I don't know if it's directly applicable to CrossFit because the energy demands in the 800 are more or less constant. It's the same muscles doing the same activity over and over. In CrossFit, you could get a workout that's AMRAP 12 snatches, burpees, and toes to bar. And each of those has very different energy needs. A snatch is a series of very high energy demands. But if you're doing singles, the energy drops to zero when you let that, the energy you know, needs drop to zero when you let that barbell go. So you see these, these spikes of energy. And then burpees are more like consistent but lower intensity energy. And then toes to bar is probably somewhere in between. And every CrossFit task will have its own energy demand profile. Whereas in the 800, yes, you might be using 
a, a broad continuum spectrum of muscle fibers, but you're using them consistently. It's not irregular and variable. So a 12-minute CrossFit workout is like running two miles where you jog for a bit, sprint for a bit, jog, sprint, run an in-between pace, jog. It's a whole different set of energy needs. And in addition to that, it's different muscles needing the energy. So the muscles needed for a toast, a bar, and a snatch are very different with their own fast versus slow characteristics. So I think what I'm getting at is that the energy demands in CrossFit are broader than any other sport. And I've had people say, well, MMA and boxing are pretty close. And that's probably fair. You don't know what your energy output is going to be in a boxing match. It's moderate when fighters are separated and sort of feeling each other out. But then it spikes up to very, very high when punches are being thrown or in MMA when there's grappling. The difference is, though, that those combat sports don't involve external objects like picking up a barbell and the energy spikes that come with that. And the work-rest ratios are defined by the rounds. Like in boxing, it's three minutes of work, one minute of rest. No matter what intensity level the round is at, that's the structure. In CrossFit, you get the external objects, like the barbells or the dumbbells, and you get inconsistent structure because you might have a five rounds for time that last 15 minutes today, and then Fran tomorrow, which might be three minutes. Or you might have something with rest built in, like in the recent semifinals workouts. You just don't know. So as far as variability and all muscle fibers, I don't think there's anything else like CrossFit. And I think perhaps that's why conditioning solutions, what I'm seeing a lot of what's recommended is generally partial solutions, which, which work somewhat. They work a little bit. They help. They're useful. They improve things, but they're partial solutions. And so I want to get into that a little bit for the rest of this podcast. The most common conditioning ideas or suggestions I hear when athletes say, hey, my engine's not where I need it to be. My engine needs a little work. I'm getting stronger. My skills are good, but I just did a local competition and my engine didn't do what I needed it to do. And it's, I look back and I don't have an engine and what should I do? The answers I usually hear are partial solutions. And the four most common answers are do more zone two, more steady state, more endurance style work. That's the most common answer. Another one I hear is you need to do intervals. I've often heard it suggested that, you know, you should stay after class two days a week and do sprints on the bike or do sprints on the bike at home, or some form of sprints. And then the last answer I hear is like, well, maybe you should scale your Metcons and move better or throw in an extra Metcon here and there. It'll help. So each of those answers is valid to some extent. Each of them uh, applied in a common sense manner will help. Like sprints twice a week will help. Obviously, if you sprint every day, you're going to create fatigue problems pretty quick and that's going to move you backwards. But again, a common sense implementation of any of these solutions Endurance, zone two, or intervals, or sprints, or scaling your Metcons and moving better, any of those is going to help. But none of them are comprehensive. So 
I think what I want to do is rank them sort of worst to first. Again, with the warning that none of them are wrong, but they're not all equally right, and also none of them are comprehensive. I think I would say that like additional Metcons or scaling your Metcons would be the least helpful of those four. And that's because I'm talking about athletes who have some experience with CrossFit, not brand new beginners. If you've been training for a year, you have a good idea of how a Metcon feels, what that burn is like, and how pacing works. Adding more Metcons to someone who's been doing Metcons for a year probably isn't going to help that much. Now, if you're a beginner, if you've been at this, you know, three months, then it's hard to say your engine isn't really growing because that's not a lot of time. But secondly, your coach in the gym should be recognizing a need to scale the Metcons. If you're struggling because your Metcons aren't properly scaled, that's an in-the-gym situation with your coach. And your coach, and most coaches will correct that. They'll see right away that something's not working and they'll make a change on the fly and then they'll work with you as you develop your skills and your strength and your engine to modify the workout so that you get the stimulus. Again, that's for like the beginners who are new to this and really shouldn't be looking outside the gym for a conditioning program just yet anyway. But if you've been doing this stuff for a year, then more Metcons or scaled Metcons probably isn't going to have that big of a marginal impact. The next answer would be sprints, I would say would be the, the, next, the next worst because sprints are narrowly focused. They're awesome for a lot of reasons. They feel great when you're done. They're a test where you try to hit the top end and it's nice to have a target to shoot at, see your progress at the top end, and they will help your conditioning. Physiologically, sprints help you develop the ability to neutralize or buffer the protons released by glycolytic reactions. In other words, when you push hard and you're using fast twitch fibers in the glycolytic engine, you're releasing protons, which lowers pH inside of cells. And that lowering pH can mess with the aerobic system. We'll do this in a future episode in detail. But So sprints will help with neutralizing protons so your pH stays higher and you can use your aerobic engine longer. Sprints are helpful, no question, but they only target fast twitch fibers. And CrossFit requires a lot of energy from the slow twitch or oxidative world. So sprints are great, but they should be used as part of a broader program. And if you're working with us, you know what anaerobic day is and you know we use sprints quite a bit. And if you've worked with us for a long time and you've come around to the fourth block, With the atomic days and the afterburner days, you see we use sprints to to develop, to elicit a very narrowly targeted stimulus in our advanced athletes. So sprints are useful for intermediate athletes and advanced athletes, but they have a narrow impact. So if it's all you're doing, you're only going to get a small benefit. After that, I would say that you're left with zone two and intervals. Zone two and intervals are both great ways to develop your engine for CrossFit. I think intervals are probably the best, and I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes, but zone two 
What you're doing in zone two is you're developing, you're improving your ability to supply working muscles with oxygen. And one of the big adaptations is an increased stroke volume, which is just a fancy way of saying more blood pumped per heartbeat. So when you're pumping more blood per heartbeat, you're delivering an equivalent amount of oxygen at a lower heart rate. And that's really going to help you in almost any Metcon or, or almost any task. However, it's only targeting slow twitch fibers, some hybrid fibers too, but it's not hitting the fast twitch end. So you're increasing your ability to supply oxygen to working muscle fibers that does not by itself increase every muscle fiber's ability to use that oxygen. Fast twitch fibers have relatively few mitochondria. That's where the oxygen goes, right? So if you don't have a lot of mitochondria, then you can't use all that extra oxygen. So yes, you're supplying more oxygen, but you aren't changing how that oxygen is utilized in the cells. So for many muscle cells, that increased oxygen supply does not directly translate to improve capacity in those muscle fibers. Now, let me just be really clear. If you only did zone two as the only training you did, three or four days a week, you sat on the rower or the bike for 30 or 45 or 60 minutes, your engine would improve significantly. Zone two is important. And again, anyone who trains with us know we do a lot of it. We have our endurance days. We have an entire phase, 12 weeks, dedicated to polarized days. And then later in the program, we have our flux days and flux stages and lots of endurance work. And the endurance and the polarized days are part of the program right up to the very end. So we never, ever step away from zone two. We'll increase the emphasis of it and decrease the emphasis of it. But zone two is foundational. It's a backbone. It's, it's necessary for engine development for CrossFit athletes, but it's not sufficient and it's not sufficient because it leaves a lot of gains on the table. It doesn't really impact fast twitch fibers all that much. But systemically, zone two is very important, foundational, and you'll find lots of it in our programs and any good conditioning program for CrossFit should have a fairly high dose of zone two work. And then what I think is the best solution for CrossFit athletes is intervals. But again, while intervals are necessary, they're not sufficient. And the most important parameter for intervals, if you're using intervals or you're training with us, I'll explain how we think about it. The most important parameter is work to rest ratio. Because that is how, it's like a knob. When you turn that work to rest knob, you're changing the cross-section of muscle fibers recruited. If your work-to-rest ratio is low, like one-to-one, -one, work 30 seconds, rest 30 seconds, that's a different intensity level and therefore different muscle fibers than if you're doing one-to-five, work 30 seconds, rest two minutes and 30 seconds. So depending on how you turn that knob, you can aim at fast-twitch or slow-twitch fibers. Now, we will do future episodes on intervals in great detail, which show you how to incorporate intervals into your program. But those are probably the best solution 
for athletes looking to develop a CrossFit engine if you had to pick one of these four. Now, what I'm sure you've figured out by now is that a comprehensive conditioning program, like the year of the engine, but if you're making your own, a comprehensive program should include zone two, intervals, and sprints. And you're going to be getting your Metcons while you're doing your CrossFit, so that will be included as well. But it should include zone two, intervals, and sprints. And in future episodes, we'll go into detail on what each of these does physiologically, on when to use them, and on how to design a program to incorporate them so that you get the gains you need when you need them. And that's all going to be in future episodes, so do stick around. Thanks for listening, and we'll do this again soon.